clap this morning. Father, we glorify you. We lift you up. And God, we thank you for that unspeakable joy, Lord. The peace that passes all understanding, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. God, we glorify you for it. God, we thank you. We, we just thank you for bringing that joy into our hearts, God. You're so worthy, Lord. If you need joy right now in your life, would you just ask the Lord for it? He will give it to you. Father, we thank you for your joy that comes into our hearts. God, we thank you for your joy that overflows within us. And God, we thank you for that joy. We praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you all this morning in the house of the Lord. Feel good to be in the house of the Lord? It's good. Glad you guys are here. want to... Uh, Say welcome to our online guests who are watching along with us. I always like to check and see who's with us. Be able to say hi to a couple people. You know, this this online thing, it's just kind of here, and this is what we're doing right now. What? Alfonso is watching from Tijuana, Mexico. Alfonso needs to get saved because he likes the Patriots. <laughs> Morning Lawn and the, Diana and Jan, Regina, Natasha, Jim and, and Barb. You guys were at first service. They just can't get enough. That's just how it is. Alfonso, uh, Rodolfo was here this morning. Is that, uh, is it, it's Rodolfo, right? Yeah, Rodolfo was here this morning, so it was good to have him. Um, and then we've got a bunch of people on YouTube, but I can't see their names on YouTube. So uh, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in. You know, as we started the online stuff, it used to be I preached to an empty room and I would look at the camera a lot and I forget because now there's people in the room. And so it's not that I don't love you. I do love you. I just might forget to look at you through the through the screen, but it all applies to you as well. Screen watchers, uh, you're still a part of the church. We still love you. We miss you. And as the Lord sees fit, and when you're ready, you're going to come back into the building. We will receive you with open arms. So we're excited to have you back uh, in person too. But are you guys excited to be here this morning? Amen. So good. It's great to be here. Um, honey, did I, I had a couple announcements that I said, oh, I want to remind you guys, if you haven't downloaded the app, uh, the Faith and Victory app, download the app. And, and we've been pushing that a lot uh, just because with everything the way that it is, it's the quickest, easiest way to communicate with you immediate updates for what's going on in the church. Uh, and we should have done this years ago, but I know a lot of people aren't on Facebook and a lot of people don't get on Facebook even though they have it. And so you want to have the app because it'll give you immediate updates if anything changes with service times or with events. Uh, we're getting into the winter and the snow's going to come, uh, flaming snow. Uh, that's, it's the year for that. Probably flaming snow this year, uh, with razor blades and <laughs> viper venom <laughs> attached. Uh, so, uh, make sure that you download the app because then that way on Saturday night, you can be like, man, what are they doing for church? And then you can just look at it and, uh, it'll be fantastic. All right. All right. All right. Just want to make sure you guys are all here. Let's, uh, let's pray. Todd, did you have something else? Yes, next week we're going to have baptisms after second service. So um, make sure that uh, um, 
you come. Second service is going to be baptisms. We're also going to be doing communion next week. Uh, Pastor Todd, would you do me a favor and clear out those people that are within my line of sight? Because like right here, see those guys? I won't say his name, but he's my only male offspring. Um, <laughs> just move those guys away. They're hanging out talking and I, I, I get distracted very easily. And so it's easier if they want to hang out to hang out away from the door. Move away. Perfect. It's my own son. It's okay. All right, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We think that it's alive, that it's active, and that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that we would not leave here the same way that we came. God, we pray that this would uh, go down into our spirits, Lord, that that this would be a, a transformative time for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter one this morning. If you're joining us for the very first time, either online or in person, uh, this is what we do at Faith and Victory. We go through a book of the Bible. Um, We just started a new book last week. I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Um, And that's the reason why we're at the Christmas story, because that's just how it worked out. So that's why we're celebrating Christmas today. There's a bunch of people with Christmas sweaters here. And uh, first service, there's people with Santa hats and reindeers and bells on. It was it was festive. We had a, we had a gay old time. It was great. Uh, Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy spirit. Then Joseph, her husband being just a man and not wanting to make her make a public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while she thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, take to you, marry your wife for that, which is conceived in hers of the Holy spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him, uh, took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called her name Jesus. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. <laughs> is, is anybody else just done with 2020? Yes. Like ready to move on? Like I was done with 2019 and now I miss 2019 like an old friend. Like I'm like, Oh, I wish that this would have been so different. That, that's why I'm celebrating Christmas early this year. I just decided like we could take this message anywhere that it wants. I, for one, need some Christmas joy. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I need it. I, I've, I have been missing a certain measure of joy. There's been times over the last six months I've been sucked into doubt and despair and defeat and everything else. I want the Christmas spirit and, I, and I'm getting it early this year. Now, I'm a purist, if you know this. There's certain things that are legally binding by the Word of God, and one of them is no Christmas until after Thanksgiving dinner, okay? As soon as the dishes are put away, it's time to put up the tree, but until that moment, no Christmas, okay? This is a biblical truth, just like no pineapple on pizza. It's, uh, it's completely clear within the Word of God. I'm, I'm throwing and casting off restraint this year and I'm opening up and saying, you know what? I want Christmas right now. I'm ready to start listening to my Justin Bieber Christmas album. It's a good album. It really is. You should pick it up. Do it on Spotify. I also, uh, I also need some Christmas cookies. 
Uh, at our house, we say eating season starts Thanksgiving Day. It carries on until Christmas, and that's why we do a fast in January. But I need cookies now. So I've decided to start having cookies in uh, October. It'll be a good time. I, I encourage you to join me. Join me in the Christmas spirit. Join me in the cookies. So this story that we're in in chapter one, and this is a story that many of you have heard many times before. Uh, most people that are Christians know the birth of Jesus story. Even people that only go to church on Christmas and Easter, they know the Christmas story because they hear it every Christmas that they come in. And just like a story that your dad may tell or your mom may tell, it's kind of comforting, right? I mean, you have stories in your family that say, I'll tell that story again. I want to hear that story. You've heard it many times, but it makes you laugh or it makes you feel a certain kind of way. And the Christmas story is that way as well, where I think it's really easy to only listen to the Christmas story at Christmas, but really the Christmas story is a story that we should live in our hearts all times of the year. Uh, and, and, and how pleasant it is that the Lord saw fit to have us in this scripture today so that we could have the story of Christmas in our hearts for the rest of the year. Uh, in this story, Matthew, if you remember last week, if you haven't listened to the sermon, please go back and listen to it. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience uh, in the book of Matthew. And so in this, he's recounting the birth story. And, and if you don't know it, I'll remind you, Mary is betrothed to Jesus. She is intended and she's a virgin, but she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Joseph decides he's going to pull her away and not let anybody know what's going on because, heck, he wasn't supposed to get her pregnant. But an angel speaks to him in a dream and tells him and says, do not be afraid. Uh, th- this is a child of God and you're going to call him Jesus. He's going to change the world. And so Matthew, as he's writing this story, he shares the prophecy, which is a connection again to that Jewish audience, pulling the Old Testament, and the New Testament together to show them that, J- that Joseph is obedient to what the angel of the Lord told him. Uh, insert sermon on obedience here. We're not doing that. Um, but it shows us exactly the connection to Old Testament, and New Testament. It's an important part of this story before we get into the sermon to realize that the virgin birth is uh, is central to the theme of, of what's going on here. It's the backdrop to that story. You have to ingest that part into the story because uh, Jesus being born of the Holy Spirit and not of the seed of man, it makes him uh, fully human and fully God at the same time. That's why he can live that two entire, uh, two entire lives. People say, well, he was just a prophet or he was just a teacher. No, he was God in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is his seed, not Adam. So he doesn't inherit the seed of Adam. He doesn't inherit Adam's sin. And because he doesn't inherit Adam's sin, he's not born into sin like the rest of us. That's why uh, we say there's two ways to get to heaven. You can either be uh, born a born sinless and live a perfect life. You can go to heaven that way, uh, or you can receive Jesus as savior. None of us can be born sinless because we're all born into sin because we inherit the seed of Adam at our birth. That's why we're born into sin and Jesus isn't born into sin. And so because he's fully human and he's fully man, he's the only one that can be a perfect sacrifice to save us from our sins. Uh, God in his infinite wisdom came down as a man to save us from our sins because we couldn't save ourselves. A mere man couldn't have been pure enough, great enough, or strong enough uh, to be able to save us. God had to come down himself, a sinless man, uh, to be able to save us from our sins. Fully God, fully man at the exact same time. The title of the sermon though today is Let's Celebrate Christmas. Let's Celebrate Christmas. Anybody excited to celebrate Christmas? It's good, man. Remember, cookies and carols, that's what it's... Uh, bringing us into uh, the the first reason why I want to celebrate Christmas is because when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate that God still speaks to his people. Uh, Verse 20, it says, but while he thought about these things, Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
And what's happening is that the Lord speaks to Joseph in a dream through an angel. And, and this message that Joseph gets uh, from the angel is, don't be afraid. Here's what's going to happen. And here's what you do. It's a very clear message. The, uh, Joseph is overwhelmed what's going on because remember, he's betrothed to, a woman is betrothed to him. They're, they're intended, but they're not married yet. And so Joseph is concerned because Mary has just showed up pregnant and he's like, what am I going to do? Now in that culture, in this culture, it's all kind of the same. Someone comes up pregnant that wasn't supposed to be pregnant. Everybody's kind of like, mm-hmm, what's going on here? So Joseph is scared and worried and doubtful and doesn't know what to do. So in, the, in his dream at night, an angel of the Lord comes to him in his dream and says, don't be afraid. This is what's going to happen. And this is what you're going to do. And it gives him very clear direction, which it doesn't speak to it. But I believe that it spoke to his heart to give him comfort, gave him a time to understand that God knew what he was doing and that God was in the middle of what was going on. Um, can you imagine if you had been in that same situation, how much you would want God to speak to you? Uh, the direct connection to today is many of you are going through situations that you immediately need God to speak to you and God is going to speak to you. He will, uh, because we serve a God that still speaks today. God knew and God sent a prophetic angel to speak directly to Joseph at the exact right time to comfort him, explain to him and direct him in what he was supposed to do. Friend, this has always been God's way. God has always been a prophetic speak to you, God, from the beginning to the end. Uh, and, and for some reason, people like to read about uh, God speaking in the Bible, but they don't believe that God still speaks today. Um, I'm not a person that thinks that uh, that has stopped. I believe that God still speaks today. I think it's biblical. And if you choose not to believe that, I believe that you're uh, thinking against what the Bible teaches because it's very clear. You've literally got to rip pages out of the Bible to not believe that, that God doesn't speak today because God still does speak to gay today. And it's always been that way. It's been that way since the old Testament from when he called uh, Noah and he called Abraham and he called all these other people. God would speak to people very clearly. Uh, we're going to roll back into Deuteronomy chapter eight for just a minute. And the reason why I like to always use old Testament scriptures is because I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God has not changed. The God of Genesis is the God of Matthew is the God of revelation. It's all the same God. God did not change who he is. He has not changed his nature. He is exactly the same God. He has always been. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 18, I want to talk, I want to show you about uh, prophetic in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 18 through 22. It says, uh, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and he will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the, if the thing does not happen or come, or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. God spoke in the Old Testament. God spoke in the New Testament. And now God speaks. And this is a theme of Christmas that we can all celebrate. The idea that the God of the universe still speaks to you in your life. How many of you would say, I need God to speak to me in my life? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to know that the, the creator of the universe wants to give you very clear direction to what you need to do? I'm a very obedient person by nature. 
Um, I, I love going places where there's somebody that tells me what to do because it's home a lot easier than trying to figure out what I need to be doing. It's one of the reasons why I miss being in the army and the army. They always said the easiest part of the army is getting up in the morning, being in the right place, the right time in the right uniform. Uh, and then once you're there, there will always be somebody there to tell you what to do. Uh, when you don't have that type of life, a lot of times you're like, what am I supposed to be doing? Does anybody else resonate with that at all? Uh, try to figure out what you're doing. So It should be an encouragement to you that in this backwards, make no sense world that God can speak to us. Now more than ever, we need God to speak to us and he does. Uh, I need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I need the comfort of God to speak directly into my life because all of these things that have been happening over this last year that none of us saw coming, that really we have no answers for what we're going to do in the future. We need God to speak. We need God to say, this is what you're going to do. And this is how it's going to happen. We need him to speak. Uh, Luke 170 says, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began. This is a thing that God has been doing since the world began. It's not something that uh, just started happening or happened halfway through the story. It's always been that way. Uh, Amos 3, 7 says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Uh, again, when I was in the army, many times that we would be told to do something. And, uh, as we were told to do something, we would get up in the morning and say, we know we need all these guys to be there. And they called it a detail and they would take us somewhere. And then once we were there, uh, they would sit us there and you'd sit around for hours waiting for someone to tell you what to do. Literally, sometimes you would sit for like seven or eight hours and then someone would show up for the last 90 minutes of the day. And then they were like, Hey, we finally have somebody that can tell you what to do. Somebody with shiny things on their head and they tell you what to do. And then you finally get to work. You resonate. You know what I'm talking about, Nick? Happened to you guys too, right? But you couldn't do anything until someone higher than you told you what to do. There's a sermon in there somewhere. So many times we, we want to have God speak to us, but sometimes you have to wait. You have to wait for God to speak. You have to wait for him to speak. And when he speaks, you have to do what he says. Prophecy is a huge part of living for God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And now it comforts his people, explains to them and directs them when we're wondering, waiting and looking. Wondering, waiting and looking. That would be a good time for you to say Amen. I don't know why, but you guys got to sleep in, have breakfast and get that second cup of coffee, but you're acting dead this morning. And I don't understand. First service was like they were all chugging Red Bulls in the parking lot. And you guys seem like I woke you up out of a dead sleep and you're not hearing me. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should start, start all taking shots of Rockstar or something, you know? When I pause, it's not for me to capture my thoughts. It's for you to agree with the word of God that's going forth. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It is almost noon. Yeah. Matthew references prophecy of the Old Testament in, uh, in this scripture. Uh, he's referencing Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, Matthew connecting Old Testament with New Testament and putting them together to a Jewish audience to show them that the prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now, what does this mean to you? Uh, I hope that you believe in prophecy. 
I hope that you seek after the prophetic, uh, both in the word and in your heart, that God would speak directly to you. Uh, it's the greatest joy of living for Jesus that the creator of the universe wants to speak and direct the, the intimate affairs of our lives. Because uh, when, when we have things and uh, that we're trying to do, and it's from the small stuff to the big stuff of like, God, how am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do? How are you going to speak to me and guide me through this situation? Uh, you want the Lord to speak to you. And, and I, for one, can say most of the times that my life has been messed up because I was not going to God and allow, uh, allowing him to speak into my life situation. I took things into my own hands and I took my own path and then I turned around and God's behind me like, let me fix this for you again. First Corinthians 14, one pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy the, uh, again. If you don't believe that God speaks today, you're pulling pages out of the Bible. Uh, first Corinthians 14 through 16. And, and I know that there's uh, people out there that, uh, that don't believe that God wants to speak today. And I don't know why you would want to believe that because I want God to speak to me specifically. Uh, it's one of the reasons like at our church, we believe in the spiritual gifts, all of them as they're shown out in the Bible. Uh, I, I've gotten screwed from sometimes from people because I don't like speaking in tongues on Sunday mornings because a lot of times there's people that are from the outside that don't understand and the Bible even says people are going to think that they're drunk and but Paul doesn't even say I desire that everybody would speak in tongues publicly as much as he says I desire that everybody would prophesy because when you prophesy you you edify the whole entire body you don't just edify the individual and and so when we seek after the the prophetic we allow God to speak directly into our lives and and grow us and lead us now when I'm talking about flowing in the prophetic, I'm not talking about the pathetic. Okay. Cause there's a lot of people that say they want to flow in the prophetic, but they're flowing in the pathetic. If you can't hear from God, what you need to do to manage the simple details of your life, I'm absolutely positive that he's not going to tell you how to direct me. But for some reason, people that want to flow in the prophetic are flown in the pathetic because, uh, if, because if you notice this story, what happens is, is that Joseph is the one that needs a word from the Lord. The, the angel speaks to him directly to his life and what he needs to be doing to direct him. The first place the prophetic moves is in your personal life with Jesus. It's not being some wonky, pathetic, prophet-lying person that wants to act super spiritual and, and, and control other people. That's not prophecy. Prophecy begins with you listening to prophetic words coming directly into your heart from the Holy Spirit that direct the affairs of your life. And, and, and if you can't hear from God in your own life, how can I trust that, God, that you're hearing from God as, as far as it concerns my life? Again, prophecy is great, but, but it starts with the, the, the path begins with God speaking directly to you. And this is a, a step that many people miss because many people want to be a prophet without responding to the direction of the Holy Spirit themselves. Uh, and, and, and I've been in churches where people are very spiritually manipulative uh, to try to be this way of like, oh, God speaks to me. And then no one can correct them and no one can do whatever because they tag it on like, you know what the Lord said I should do. And I'm just like, nah, I don't think that's true. Uh, because if he did, he had spoken to me as well. But, you know, a lot of times what happens is that prophecy always confirms what's already God been speaking in the individual. Uh, individual. It rarely uh, is redirecting something that the person already doesn't know. Uh, usually that person, and I know this in my own life, is just a lunkhead that can't seem to figure it out. So he needs someone like his wife to come and speak something. And he's like, you know, what? I think God's speaking. I'm like, oh, that's great. Fantastic. First Corinthians 14, three says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation and comfort to men. 
And, and, if, and if you feel like God has given you a word for somebody, you've got to discern that which comforts men. And again, this is what's hard with people that feel as though God speaks to them. You do not have to say everything that God speaks to you. Sometimes God will tell you stuff that's for you or tell, or you have to have the right timing to be able to share with somebody. In all relationships, I always tell people the right place, the right time, and the right attitude. And so if you, if God will show you something, but sometimes it's not a, a, for you to speak, it's for God to speak to you or keep it inside of you. So if you get a word for somebody, you have to show discernment uh, because if not, uh, then you can end up uh, hurting somebody's life or it no longer seeks to be edifying and exhorting them and comforting them. Uh, this is why, uh, and, and I don't have a problem saying this publicly. I rarely speak out against ministries, but this is why I don't agree with the Bethel school of prophets. I think it's wrong and, and, and it's on record. It's, it, it's in our video today. And I'm fine with saying that you can't teach somebody to be prophetic. Uh, it's a gift that comes from God. And, and what happens is that people say, well, I want to be a prophet. I'll go to this school. I'll pay. And then, you know what I mean? Like sign up for your prophecy. Like, no, like, what is it? Are we fortune telling? It's wrong. Uh, but God is prophetic. You know, I, I can see people that are sitting around here where, uh, where God, and, and, and it's funny until God speaks directly to your life in a prophecy, you think it's really wonky. And then you see it move. Rusk is amen in me a lot this morning. I remember years ago, uh, the, the Lord, uh, my wife has a prophetic gifting and, and I will tell you her life is squared away. It's super squared away. I live with her. Uh, it's condemning to live with her. How squared away she is. <laughs> Hear laugh. It's true. Um, and, uh, it's a gift though, but because I know my wife squared away, I trust when she feels as though the Lord has told her something and she has some prophecies that God will give her for, towards people that I'm a very skeptical person. Okay. I don't sign off on stuff quickly. I'm not hyper, hyper, like, bleh, like I'm not that. I'm just like, hmm, let's see if this is really of God. And I'm even that way with my own wife because I do not want to stand before God and lead anybody astray at all. I'm not going to stand before God and, and say that I led anybody astray. So I'm, I'm very uh, discerning and filtering. But I remember years ago, back when we were in the warehouse, uh, in the, in the big downturn of Oh nine, wasn't it? Uh, uh, that, uh, Russ had lost his job. And he had a really good job for an extended period of time that he lost a job. And, and, and Russ is uh, a more seasoned member of the church. And um, I remember the Lord gave Crystal a word for Russ. And I remember he, she was like, God is going to give you a job and it's going to be the best job you ever had. And you're going to make more money than you ever made. And I'm thinking, but he's old. <laughs> You don't, you don't have your best job where you make the most money at the end of your career. That usually happens in your forties or fifties. And what happened, Russ? You got the best job you ever had. It was hand fit, uh, hand like a glove for him. It was directly and it was specific. And so you see that kind of stuff go forwards and, and, and you're like, okay, God still does speak today. I remember with the Ongs that one time they came over and they wanted a prayer for their daughter who came over to our house because she needed direction. She didn't know what God was asking her to do. And they said, well, would you just ask Chris and say, will you pray? And will you see if the Lord gives anything? And again, skeptical Matt, we're in the backyard. We're hanging out and drinking lemonade. We begin to pray. We get done praying. And then Crystal looks at uh, Katrina and says, I really feel like the Lord's saying New Zealand. And I'm just like, you whack job. Like what? <laughs> no, like what parent wants to hear that God is putting their kid to New Zealand? Like you're ruining our relationships. You're not hearing from God. You just thought New Zealand sounded cool. You just watched Lord of the Rings, you know? And, uh, 
And, and Katrina began to weep. And I was like, why is she weeping? And, and Katrina, and she also said, uh, she said, I feel like the Lord told me that you need to go to New Zealand. You're going to find your husband there. And, and, uh, Katrina began to weep and her parents were like, what's going on? She said, I, there's a missionary that we know in New Zealand. That's been begging me to come to New Zealand and do missionary work with them. And I don't want to go. <laughs> and she hadn't spoken to her parents at all. And it was like, dude, it was specific. It was right on time. She went to New Zealand. She found her husband there. I mean, this was like 10 years ago. God still speaks today, man. He really does. Second Peter one twenty one. for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. It's always God. It's, and, and, and people say, well, you know, God, and he did. God spoke through Balaam's donkey, and he does uh, speak through broken people all the time. But specifically, it's always by God. It's not the will of man. Amen. It's a reason that we can celebrate that God still speaks. You know, and just let me say a little side note here. People get weirded out about prophecy and they're like, oh, it seems really weird. Does it not seem equally weird that a Holy Spirit would come and impregnate a woman to be able to bring a savior? Like, come on, man, the whole thing, like all of it, like people always want to say, well, that seems really weird to me that Noah, it's not weird. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Jesus raising himself from the dead. Like, isn't that kind of weird? You know what I mean? Fleeces and laying them out and wet and all that other stuff. Like the whole thing, like Daniel and lion's den and like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And they're like, God still speaks today. Well, I don't know about all that. No, it's just because you don't want to be obedient to what the God's going to speak to you by his word. It's a whole lot easier. Like, oh, God doesn't do that. He did it all through the Bible, but not anymore. God's not dead. He is alive. Amen. The second, the second reason that I want to celebrate Christmas is because Jesus saves. Amen. Verse 21, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Friend, this is the central theme to the gospel and Christianity. God and sinners reconciled. And as you're listening to Christmas music on the way home today, I want you to listen to those themes as they flow through all the Christmas carols because it truly is the theme of Christmas. Sinful man that needed a savior and that Jesus showed up to save us from our sins. And it's such a simple message that gets hijacked by so many people to pull Jesus in different directions for their own political and social gains. I, for one, will not be manipulated. I will not allow them to hijack my Jesus and take him somewhere where he doesn't need to go. The central theme of Christianity is that we were sinners and we needed a savior and that God sent his son Jesus to save us from our sins. You can't let that be pulled in a different direction. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't say, here comes the guy who's going to get my politician elected. He didn't say that he's coming to change society's problems. He didn't say, oh, finally, we can have some good Christian music. Oh, my marriage has been in shambles. I'm so glad that he's here. Oh, I'm John the Baptist. I've been single. I need a spouse. Here comes the one that will help me find a spouse. No, he says, here's the one that will save the people from their sins. Now, listen, I want you to get this down into your spirit. Lock this into your personal uh, uh, ethos. Any intention that anyone has for Jesus that is not grounded and rooted in sin salvation has changed Jesus into something for their own personal gain. It's, it's, it's central. 
Any time that anybody wants to turn Jesus into anything else that is not rooted and grounded in the salvation from sin, they have turned Jesus into their own personal puppet to manipulate other people for their own personal means. And, and, and so it's a filter by which you can filter all other things out, whether it's a song or it's a book or it's a ministry or it's a movement or anything else. Is salvation from sin central to this theme? If not, it is not central to the gospel. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And that's not a physical healing. That's a spiritual healing. We were wounded. Uh, we were wounded in our sin. We were dead in our sins and, and we needed a savior. And so God sent Jesus to heal us. And it was by his stripes that we were healed. Uh, This healing is for our flesh that needs to be forgiven and can only be forgiven by a perfect blood sacrifice. This is something to celebrate for Christmas. I'm healed from my sin. I'm forgiven. Uh, First John three, five, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. That's why he was manifested. It was so we would no longer have to be dead in our transgressions, that we'd no longer be, be uh, ruled by our sins, that we could stand before God, holy and blameless, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It was because of our sin that Jesus came. Amen. The sin of Adam had to be rectified. This is why, why human bodies haven't evolved. My lives haven't changed much either. Our, our lives are not that different from how they were thousands of years ago. We have more things to plug in and you've got a little bit less chores to do, but we eat, we sleep, we work, we recreate, we learn, we build, we procreate and we die. It's about it. There ain't much else. And, and all that was true back then as well. We, we trying to think like we're, we've evolved and we're different. Than, we're not. We're the exact same people. But the sin of Adam had to be rectified. Adam was the original sin. If you haven't read the story, it's in the book of Genesis. Jesus was the original sin. That's why I believe in the creation story. I don't believe in evolution. Because no original sin, no need for a, a savior. There has to be original sin. Jesus being the, uh, the, the final Adam, Jesus, uh, Adam being the first Adam, Jesus came to rectify that sin. First Corinthians 15, 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Amen? Jesus is that life-giving spirit. It fixes the sin of Adam, and it releases us from the penalty of sin. We, we are freed from our sins. You should be reflecting on your salvation. You should not be neglecting such a great salvation as this. It's one of the reasons why uh, I, I talk about sin so much is because it's central to who we are as Christians. And people say, man, that guy talks about sin so much. And it's two reasons. One, well, three, maybe four. I don't know. One is a, a church that wants to be a soul winning church. You have to let people know that they need a savior. Secondly, if you've been, uh, if you're a, a Christian and you're in sin, you got to stop. And thirdly, if you're not in sin, you should be rejoicing God that that he's saved you from your sins. When I, when I worship God and I get excited about songs about salvation, it's not because I got saved last week. It's because I'm so glad that I've been saved. I'm still glad that God does not hold those past sins against me. I'm still excited about it. It's enough to get me up in the morning. Amen. Acts 4.12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
If you want to stay grounded in your, in your faith, stay grounded in the reality of Christ as Savior. Let that be central to what you believe and how you operate. Don't ever get away from that. Because what happens is that for some reason, people, when you first got saved, you were so excited. You were so excited. You wanted to read your Bible. You wanted to be in church. You wanted to worship his name. You were giving and loving and all these other things. And then the world comes in. And then all of a sudden, a preacher preaches salvation and salvation from sin. And then you're like, why didn't he talk about something else, man? I've heard this story before. And you're selfish heart. There's people that need a savior out there. I will listen to, to John chapter three, every sermon for the rest of my life to let more people come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ over and over and over. And you get that into your heart and it changes the way in which you live your life. Do not allow anyone to hijack Jesus's life and message for any other means. Only Jesus saves no one else. There's no other name by heaven and earth by which men must be saved. Colossians chapter one verses 20 through 23 and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross and you, you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Amen. And and, and people would say, and, and, and this is what happens. It's always, it's out there when you hear this stuff. People say, well, you know, there's so much to be fixed in this world. And there is There's a ton of stuff in this world that needs to be fixed. There's sex trafficking and there's abortion and there's racism and there's corruption and schools need to be fixed and divorces need to stop and violence needs to stop. And there's laws that need to be changed. All of that. But laws do not change hearts. They just don't. I mean, you you think about racism in America. Most, if not all of our laws uh, about racism has been changed in America, but racism still exists. Why? Because you cannot make somebody change their heart through a law. Like every single one of you that go to work, you could still be stealing at work. The reason why you don't steal at work, is not because there's a law. It's because your heart has been changed. And you say, I'm not going to burn in hell for a pack of post-it notes. Like I'm not doing that. Are you with me? This is why the, the gospel has to be central in what we do. Now, what, what happens is that when you're, you're a preacher like me that wants to see lives change through the, through the spirit of God, through uh, regeneration of the Holy Spirit and repentance and forgiveness of sins, it's a long way around the mountain. It really is. And you pluck souls out one by one. It's, it's not a, a movement, but I've noticed throughout the years is that a lot of times people can be part of a movement, not be regenerated, and the movement stops. Only Jesus can change a heart. I mean, really, would you rather somebody have true heart change? You just want them to act like they're changed. Because I want people that have true heart change. Because people that have true heart change, it doesn't matter what the world does. They're going to continue to be uh, in the right heart because their heart has been changed. Only a real turn from sin will change this world. Nothing else. Read your Bible. Read the book of Acts. See what the early church did. When, when Jesus left and, and uh, Matthew 28, he said, therefore go and make disciples, teach them everything that I've taught you, teach them to obey everything that I commanded you. When they went out in the book of Acts and the Acts at the beginning of the early church, they didn't go out and start infiltrating political systems to change the world. They didn't do that. But honestly, the reason why they accru- one of the reasons they crucified Jesus is because the Jews wanted Jesus to be a political king. 
They say, oh, you're here. Now you can overthrow Rome and you can be our king and we can finally have power once again. And Jesus is like, that is not what we're doing here. I'm not going to be that guy. We're going to change hearts. That's how we're going to change the world. And they're like, that's it. Crucify him. That's why they killed him. And so the early church, when they went out in the book of Acts, they didn't go try to change the world through movements and political systems. They went places and they preached, turn from your sins. God has forgiven you. And then they told him to receive the Holy Spirit. And over and over and over, you can see it when they went places. They didn't do acts of service. They preached, you're a sinner and you need a savior. And again, it's not to say that you shouldn't do acts of service. I'm saying acts of service is not the gospel. The good news is not that God came to help you do acts of service. Acts 5.31, him, uh, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. This is why you struggle sharing the gospel with, with the people that you know and love. It's because in, in America, when everybody's got, you know, a, a microwave and a bicycle and, uh, you know, food in their belly, you come to them and you say, oh, you need to become a Christian. And they say, why? Oh, because your, your, your life will be so much better if you're a Christian. And they're like, my bike works. My microwave works. I got HDTV and internet. I got a cell phone. Why do I need Jesus? It's a whole lot different when you say, you know what? You are an offense to God. You are dead in your transgressions and you're going to go to hell without Jesus. What? That, that, that resonates from anybody that's at one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. Because whether you have stuff or you don't have stuff, you're filled with pride and arrogance to think that you're in the right standing with God. But that is completely contrary to what the word of God says. Without Jesus, we're, we're a flaming pile of excrement. Like we're no good. We're as filthy rags, a stench in his nostrils. That's why when Paul said about the gospel, he said we were like a little, like the smell of rotting flesh to these people when we brought the gospel. We didn't come around and say, you guys are awesome and God wants to come by and put his stamp of approval on you. We came by and said, you are dead in your transgressions and you need a savior. Central to our faith. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Gosh, I get so fired up. You know, it's so simple and everybody wants to complicate it. I just want to complicate it. Here's the, here's the third and final part of this. And final, I mean rounding the corner, not fold up your Bibles. You know, I say that sometimes and then Russ comes up and starts playing. And I'm like, hold on, man, let me finish. Senior moment. Let's celebrate Christmas because God is in us. Amen. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This is one of the greatest distinctions between Christianity and all other world religions that God would come and dwell in us. Nasty, dirty us. God says, you want, that's where I want to rest. That's where I want my spirit to rest is inside these people. And again, Salvation from sin regenerates us, cleans us out in such a way that the Holy Spirit can come in and dwell inside of us. And this is such a promise of Christmas, uh, the name Emmanuel, God with us, that he's going to dwell inside of us. And, and, and again, you have that mindset in your mind. It changes the way that you live, the way that you talk, the way that you run your life, because you know that God dwells inside of us. It's a promise from the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36, 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Did anybody else notice that it was really hard to follow God until you got born again? 
that you tried really hard to live by the rules and you're like, I don't have what it takes. That's the whole point. You don't have what it takes. On your own strength, you can't live for the Lord. But with his spirit living inside of you, he gives you the strength to be able to live for him in a way that no other, uh, no other way could do it. Uh, human will will, 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 human will will wear out at some point. You can only act it for so long. This is why within American uh, Christianity, you see people that are Christians for a season. It's because they were never truly regenerated. They never had the spirit of God dwelling inside of them. They ascribe to a set of beliefs without truly being regenerated. And you can only do that for so long. Again, people will come into this church, any church and say, wow, I just got to act this way and, and follow these rules and pretend that I'm that way. And then I'll be accepted and I'll have friends when it's really like not what it's about at all. It's about regeneration. But the people that are regenerated uh, are able to have the long view. They're able to live for Jesus and this earth because they They're not just agreeing to a set of beliefs to be able to have friends. They actually have been saved from their sins and living for Jesus Christ. God inside of us. Psalm 46, 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. What a blessing that the God of this universe wants to dwell within us, to be in us. It's not something that we should take lightly at all. We should rejoice in it on a daily basis. You should wake up and be like, Lord, thank you that you dwell inside of me. It would change the way that you treat other people when you realize that those people that are walking with Christ have Christ's spirit inside of them as well. Here, here's what's great is that he didn't have to. God didn't have to set it up that way at all. He could have, I mean, Jesus could have came in Leviticus, you know, he didn't have to wait. Gosh, I, sometimes I wish he would have. We could have just been reading a pamphlet instead of a Bible. You know what I mean? But it's not. He had something that he was trying to uh, to work out. John fourteen twenty. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Can somebody praise God for that this morning? Can you just praise God that He lives inside of you? Um, I I figured out. You know, it took me a minute. There was this line in my first first service that I was looking at this, and I said, "What is this about?" And so I just moved on. But here's what I remembered. You guys know Pastor Butcher. Yeah. yeah. Right, Pastor Butcher, uh, our sister church down in um, Fairfield. Uh, he he's he's John R. Butcher Senior, John Robert, and his son is John John Robert Butcher Junior, Jr. They all call him Jr. Jr. had a boy this week. Amen. Yeah. So uh, now there's John Robert Butcher the third, and and uh, I was talking to him this week. And uh, he came early. He was a, he was a couple weeks early, but he's good and he's healthy. And I was and I was talking to John about it, and I said, "Man, what's it like looking down and seeing a, a grandchild?" And he's, isn't it funny? Young always changes when you get older. Yes. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, my mom would say things like, "Oh, they died at such a young age," and they were like in their sixties. And I was like, "What? No, that's old." <laughs> and now that I'm in, now that I'm in my forties. I'm like, Pastor John's a young man. He's only 54. You know what I mean? Yeah. 60's the new 20. Um, but he's, a, he's in his 50's and he has a grandchild uh, that bears his name. And I was like, man, what is that like? And he was like, man, it's such a blessing. to just." And he, and he looks at, at, at his grandson that bears his name and has his seed inside of him as well. And, and you think of that word picture of we as earthly people see our seed carry on and say, this is my grandchildren, my great grandchildren. How much more so does God look upon us when he has him inside of us and looks at us and says, man, that's my son. That's my daughter. 
Man, his wallet, he opens it up and it's just picture after picture. Let me show you my kids. Let me see how awesome they are. Have you been born again and received his spirit? Okay, this is for you. Some of y'all are going to get saved today. Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his friend. You must be born again. You must receive his spirit. The Christmas celebration is that you don't have to walk through this life on your own. You can walk through it with God in you right now. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, living through you, living for you, directing you. Colossians 1.27, that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Friend, this is the hope of all hopes. This is the abiding presence of God within us, helping us and directing us and molding us. You don't have to walk through this life alone at all. And, and, and in a world that it, we're surrounded by people, a lot of us feel alone and you are not walking alone. The creator of the universe walks with you and in you if you are in him. First John 4, 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. First Corinthians three sixteen says the spirit of God dwells in us. John 14, 17 says he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the power to live the victorious life over sin over fear, over doubt and defeat. The spirit that dwells in us is a power source for us to be able to walk through anything, through anything, no matter what the world throws at us. Because let me prophesy for a minute. Corona will be over eventually and there will be something else. So don't think like life will get better once this is over. No, because there will be something else. Or just will. And so instead of worrying about the future, just pull into the Lord, man. Allow his spirit to dwell within you. Because then you say like, man, come what may, I don't care what happens to me. I'll be just fine. I referenced it before. I'll say it again. You need to listen to Ethan's sermon from two weeks ago. Wednesday night sermon. It is so powerful. And I told you, I'll say it again publicly, Ethan. It was such a great word. You did such a great job. It was really, really good. And, and it, it just talks about death and, and not having fear from death and how Christians don't have to fear death. I'm going to leave you with a, a, a last scripture and then we'll get out of here. Um, where is Romans? I think I'd know it by now. Romans. You know what? Put up Romans 8.11. What does it say? Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think about that. The same spirit that brought Jesus out of the grave dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells inside of you. What a treasure that we have to have Jesus dwelling inside of us. Let's celebrate Christmas, man. Let's get into some cookies and some carols and celebrate that God still speaks to us. Let's celebrate that Jesus saves us from our sins. And let's celebrate that Christ's spirit is inside of us. Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to become a Christian. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you're giving your life to Jesus or you haven't. Either you've been regenerated or you're dead in your transgression, dead in your transgressions. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be a Christian, I want to be forgiven of my sins. And you'd like to make that declaration for the very first time today. I want you to do it.
I want you to say, you know what, I'm done with this old life. I'm done being dead in my sins. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to live for Jesus. I want his spirit to dwell inside of me. I want to be regenerated. If you've never made that decision before, we want to pray with you. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to become a Christian. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Hand held high. I see your hand. Praise God. Is there anybody else? Hallelujah. Now, if you'd be comfortable, I want you to walk up here and someone will pray with you. I know that's hard, but the Bible says, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. And I always think it's an act of faith to say, you want, I want everybody to know I'm going to be a Christian. Public declaration of faith. If you'd like to, you can come up and someone will pray with you. That's good. Honey, would you help her, please? Jesus still saves. Get ready. You're going to get baptized next week. Honey, will you pray with me? Oh, Brittany, praise the Lord. Jesus still saves. Your eyes are still closed and your head is still bowed. I know he gets excited. You want to say, man, who came to the family this week? It's awesome. Is there anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. That's a great salvation. Thank you, Lord. You've been far from God and you need to rededicate your life. You lost your way. He loved you when you were his enemy. How much more so now that he calls you his son, calls you his daughter. If you need to call out to God today to rededicate your life, would you raise your hand this morning and say, that's me. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. If you want to, brother, you can come up here and someone will pray for you as well. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Jeremy, would you come up and pray with this man, please? Thanks. Let's have the Ellis's run the church this morning. Let us not neglect such a great, great Savior. You guys can just stand over here. Church is not essential. Puke. God to speak to you this morning, just ask him. Say, Lord, would you speak to me this morning? He will speak. If you've forgotten your salvation and you've forgotten that Jesus saves from sins, just thank him for it this morning. Rejoice in the fact that God lives inside of you. Father, we celebrate you today, God. I thank you that you gave us this Sunday to be able to celebrate you, God. Celebrate Christmas celebrate your birth. Father, we praise you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I want to thank you guys so much for watching online. You can clap. That's fine. We will see you on Wednesday. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.